If you have your Bibles, let's go over to uh, John the 20th chapter. John the 20th chapter. We started a series several weeks ago called Living by Faith. We're still on it. We may stay on it. Uh, I'm not sure how long. We'll stay on it until the Lord says otherwise. Father, we thank you today. Give us revelation. Give us utterance. In Jesus' name, amen. In John, the 20th chapter, we saw this last week. Uh, we talked about last week about two kinds of faith. Two kinds of faith. And we looked at this first, and just to review just a little bit about last week, we talked about, first and foremost, sense knowledge faith. And we'll just touch on that a little bit here, and then we'll get into revelation faith, and that's where we want to camp on, that's where we want to go. But uh, in John chapter 20, we see this situation. This is after the resurrection of Jesus, after He was raised from the dead. And verse 19 says, The same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, it says, Jesus came and stood in their midst, and saith unto them, Peace be unto you, in verse 19. So he's, this is his first appearance after the resurrection. And when he had so said, they showed unto them his hands and his side, and the, the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said unto them, Peace be unto you. Second time he said it here. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Hallelujah. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. And whoever sends you shall remit, they shall be remitted unto them. And whoever sends you retained, they shall be retained. All right, now let's just stop here and we'll read after this. Jesus appears to them and he breathes on them and said, Receive the Holy Ghost. Now, I believe this is where the disciples were born again. Okay? Because you'll see them receiving the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2. But this is the new birth because Jesus, nobody could be born again unless Jesus was raised from the dead, correct? Matter of fact, all the Old Testament people, they were not born again. They were servants of Christ, but they were not born again. They were sent to a, if they died, they went to a place called Abraham's bosom found in Luke chapter 16. And it was a temporary holding place. It was also called paradise, okay? That no longer exists, okay? Uh, Jesus went down after his death, burial, and resurrection. He preached to the spirits, the Bible says in Peter, that were in prison, okay? And he led captivity captive when he was raised from the dead. And he took all those people that had a promissory note of their salvation. Now, there were, hallelujah. It was already broken, so it's, you know, no big deal. <laughs> uh, Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. And they were born again. Now look at what happened here. And it says, uh, verse 24, But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, I say, did you miss? <laughs> Was not with them when Jesus came. Now isn't that interesting? Now, I mentioned this last week that when we refer to Thomas, what do people call him? Doubting, Doubting Thomas. Okay? Doubters will always be missing out. Okay? They'll always miss out. Now, it's interesting because Judas had already hung himself, committed suicide. And so there's 11 disciples that are left. 
There originally was 12, now there's 11. And they're all hiding for fear of the Jews. They're hiding in a house. They're in fear. And then Jesus, after his resurrection, appears to them. Now that will grab your attention. Okay? He appeared to them in their midst. And he said, peace, guys. <laughs> no, he said, peace be unto you. Wholeness. Shalom. And he said it twice to them. And they were, of course, they were glad that was the Lord, right? They were, they were, they were really happy. But notice that Thomas was not there. Okay? Do you know doubters will always do without? Doubters will always miss it. Right? People, do you know anybody like that? They just doubt everything. I don't believe that. I don't believe that stuff. I don't believe that new birth stuff. I don't believe that tongue stuff. I don't believe in that healing stuff because I never saw it before. I know people that are like that. But doubters will always do without. They'll never be at the right place at the right time. But notice what happened. It says uh, in verse 24, But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. And he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hand the print of his nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. He says, I choose not to believe. Verse 26, and after eight days, so eight days later again, verse 26, the disciples were within the same place, and Thomas now was with them. Then came Jesus, and the doors being shut, and stood in their midst, and said unto them the third time, Peace be unto you. Aren't you glad when Jesus shows up, he brings peace? When you're in fear, and there's chaos, and there's turmoil, Jesus loves to jump into the midst of turmoil. Amen? Just like in the book of Genesis, darkness was on the face of the earth and the Spirit of God moved on the face of the deep on that chaos. Amen. How many of you know the Holy Ghost is not afraid of chaos? He loves to jump into the midst of broken relationships. He loves to jump into the midst of your turmoil, whatever that may be, because He's the one that can fix it. <laughs> he shows up and says, be of good cheer. Amen. I mean, it always happened when, when the disciples were out on the boat and a storm came and Jesus appeared in them. They were shrieking with fear. They thought it was a spirit. They thought it was a ghost, you know. He said, no, it is I. Be not afraid. They didn't even recognize him until he, he calmed them down and said, don't be afraid. It's me. You have nothing to worry about. Folks, if Jesus shows up, you have nothing to worry about. Okay? Sometimes people think that that God only likes to come around when everything's perfect and everything's good. Listen, you don't need God when everything's perfect and good. But when things are going on in your life and there's chaos in your life and there's turmoil in your life, confusion in your life, God's standing right there saying, will you allow me to come into your life and straighten out that mess? <laughs> How do you know, Brother Keith? I know because you're talking to someone that's been th through a lot of stuff in my life. Okay been doing this a few years. I've been down the road. I've gone through some things, you know, and I'm not here to talk about that and sing an old country song. But I'm, I'm saying, I know what it's like to invite God into chaos, into turmoil, into fear. Because when He shows up and He comes in, He's able to switch and change and alter and rearrange and do things that mankind could never do. But notice, initially, Thomas... The disciples said, we've we, we seen the Lord. He was, we, we talked to him. He was here. And Thomas said, don't believe it. 
I'm not going to believe it unless I can feel it, touch it, smell it, that kind of a thing, right? And uh, so what happens? Eight days later, Jesus appears to them. Look at verse, t- uh, verse 27. Then Jesus said unto Thomas, and he said, Reach hither your finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither your hand, thrust it into my side. Be not faithless, but believing. Now, evidently, Jesus must have heard him the first time around, even though he couldn't see Jesus, because the first thing that Jesus addressed was Thomas's unbelief. He said, hey, Tom, come here. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so Thomas answered and said, my Lord, my God. He says, Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believed. Now, do you see that phrase there? Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believed. Praise God. I asked this question last week. How many of you ever saw Jesus in the flesh? I'm not talking about paintings on the wall and stuff like that. How many here have ever seen Jesus? He appeared to you in the flesh. Raise your hand. Okay, I don't see any hands. Second question. How many of you believe in Jesus? I see every hand. Glory be to God. Guess what? The Bible says you are blessed. Now, we've reduced blessing to to a reaction to someone that sneezes. (laughs) God bless you. We've all done that, haven't we? God bless you, brother. But really, what does that mean? We've reduced it to that response to a sneeze, but actually... The blessing is, an, the, God's blessing, the word of God, the blessing is an empowerment to prosper in this life. Now, when I say prosper, most people think of dollar signs. Prosperity in your body means you have good health. Prosperity in your mind means you have a sound mind. Prosperity in your marriage means you have a healthy marriage. So prosperity is not just dollar signs. We've got to get that out of our thinking. Now, it, it includes that, but that's, not, that's just a piece of the pie. God wants you to prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers in 3 John 2. Amen. You see? So, Jesus said, you're, you're, you're blessed if you haven't seen me, yet believe. Now, I want to mention this again. Last week, we talked about the five physical senses. Okay? Everyone here that is alive in this room has five physical senses. In case you're not aware of what those are, let me give them to you. You see, you hear, you taste, you touch, and you smell. That's five senses. That is how you contact this natural realm. That's how we contact. That's how we connect with one another. I see you. I talk to you. Okay? But I saw something here that I never really thought about here before. But four out of the five senses have to do with the head. The only one that's different is your touch. But even so, you can touch with your head, you know what I'm saying? But primarily your hands and your feet are used to contact this natural realm. And Jesus is saying, Thomas, because you felt me and handled me, you believe. But you're blessed if you haven't seen me, yet you believe it. You know, Jesus, it's interesting. He's my superhero. Forget about Spider-Man and Superman. Wonder Woman and all the other superheroes. See, really, there's only one superhero. All the others are fake. Okay? Come on now. 
you know, people put those posters on their walls, kids put, put this superhero they try to be, and they're all fake. There's nothing real about them. But there is one superhero, and he's bigger and stronger than any of those things, and that is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen? He's my hero. He will always be my hero. He is my idol. I only have one idol, Jesus. Amen. And he's not an American idol. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Jesus. I don't even like that term. Idol. The Bible talks about flee from idols. Okay? Just a thought. Step on a few toes, the Lord will heal them. <laughs> but, but let me just say this. Jesus told him, if you believe in me and you haven't contacted me with your five senses, you are extremely blessed. And I had every one of you here raise your hands. If you believe on him and you haven't seen him, You'd stake your life on it, wouldn't you? They couldn't beat it out of you with a ball bat, praise the Lord, because you know Jesus is Lord. You haven't seen him, but you have contacted him with your spirit. Hallelujah. Now this first, we talked about this last week. This is, the, this is called sense, knowledge, faith. So in other words, I'm not going to believe, for example, that I'm healed unless I can feel something first. Okay? But Jesus said, blessed are they that believe that haven't seen. Okay? There's a whole host of things in my life that I've believed God for that my physical senses had no idea whatsoever. As they say, it could have fooled me. That I'd make a I'd prayer and I'd pray over something. You know, I'd believe God for something in my body, for example. And if I asked my body the question, body, are you healed? My body would say, no, I'm still hurting. Okay? So we have to ask the right question to the right person. So I've asked, my body can lie to me. Your body can lie to you. Uh, Jonah, when he was in the belly of a whale, do you know that actually happened? It's not a story tale, a fairy tale. Jesus said this. He says, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, even so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. That was a type of death, burial, and resurrection. But Jonah repented. It's never too late. Jonah repented in the belly of the whale. And just so you know, in the belly of a whale, there's no electricity, there's no light, there's no uh, comfort blankets you can wrap around you. You're talking stomach acid, darkness, slime. Does it get any worse than that? You can't see a thing. There's no light. can't see the light of day. Okay. Think about that. And he repented because he was, God sent him on a mission. He said, no, I'm not going to do it. You know, they ended up throwing him overboard. Remember that? And a big, God prepared a great fish. <laughs> and the fish didn't say no. He said, okay, we'll swallow the prophet. And he was in there for three days and three nights. And finally, I don't know about you, but I'd be repenting the very second I was in there. I'd be like, oh, God, please. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> It's like Pharaoh, you know, said, Lord, remove the, the frogs, but tomorrow. It's like, wait a second. Why would it be tomorrow when you, what you could do today, right? So uh, it says, Jonah called that lying vanities because he repented in the belly of the whale. And the Bible says that the big fish vomited up Jonah. You get the picture. And so 
here comes this fish and he, 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 he vomits up. Jonah, and he's on the beach, okay? He was close to the beach. Can you imagine the people at Nineveh responding to that when they worshiped fish? God knows what he's doing. The people of Nineveh were superstitious and they, 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 they worshiped things like that, like a fish, okay? That was one of their, one of their gods, okay? And here, all of a sudden, they're all there saying, who's this guy just came up out of the water, you know, and slime and seaweed all over him? And he preached and they all repented. Isn't that something? He didn't, even want, he didn't even like the people he was originally going to preach to. He didn't like them. He didn't want them to repent. But God so loved the whole world, right? That's just a little side thought right there. But uh, sense knowledge, faith means I'm not going to believe it till I can see it, like Thomas, until I can see it. And that's why Jesus said this. He said, if you're going to pray... In Mark chapter 11, he says, believe you receive it before you see it. In other words, you have to believe you have it before you get it. Okay? You have to believe you received it in your heart, and then you will physically see it. The world says seeing is believing. God says believing is seeing. Jesus said, did not I say unto you, if you believe, you would see the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Uh, I don't know about you, but walking by faith is the most exciting life that there is. Oh, there's no other life like the life of faith. It's not, I get to have to walk by faith. No, you get to walk by faith. It's like somebody came up to Brother Copeland one day. They said, do we try to trap him? They said, do we have to speak with tongues when we get filled with the Holy Ghost? The lady had an attitude. Do we have to speak with tongues when we get... He thought about it, didn't know what to say, and he asked the Lord, Lord, how do I answer this? All of a sudden, here comes the light. He says, uh, no, you don't have to speak with tongues when you get filled with the Holy Ghost. You get to speak with other tongues. Everything that God gives us is a privilege. Do you realize that? Everything that we have been given to do, like Brother Dennis was sharing marvelously this morning, um, we don't have to give. We get to give because how can you outgive God? The Bible says plainly that whatsoever a man sows, that also shall he reap. Whatsoever, in Galatians 6 let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we faint not. Whatsoever we sow, that also shall we reap. Praise God. Whatever we sow is what we're going to reap. It's kind of funny, you know, because um, people believe in the negative more than they do in the positive side of that, for example. Someone says something like this, man, you're sowing wild oats, you're going to reap those back. You know what I mean? You're sowing some bad seed. You know that's... You're treating people ugly. You know that's going to come back. Right? In other words, you sow bad seed, it's going to come back. You sow strife, it's going to come back. Right? Those same people don't believe that if you sow love, you get love back. They have faith in the negative, but not in the positive. You can reverse the curse. And I'm telling you, somebody can do something ugly to you. You can turn it around and flip-flop it just like one of the presidential candidates. You can flip-flop it on the devil. What he meant for bad 
is going to turn out to be your blessing. What do you mean? Jesus said, pray for those that persecute you. Bless those that curse you. Now, when I was a young Christian, I'd read stuff like that, and I'm, I didn't understand that. There were so many things I didn't understand. I'm like, what does that mean? I thought God was just trying to make it hard on me. You know, because uh, when someone does something bad to you, your natural response is you want to get even with them. Right? Am I the only one in the room? You all look so holy right now. But when somebody, somebody says something to you, does something derogatory to you, your flesh, your natural part of you, wants to get even with them. Right? It does. That's our flesh. That's our, that's, all of us are like that. Okay? But Jesus said this. He says, bless, contrary, bless them that curse you. Pray for those that despitefully use you. Now, why is he saying that? To make it hard on you? No, to make it hard on the devil because the devil's trying to use a person. After all, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but the devil does use people. You all know that? I mean, the devil uses personalities. He uses people. And our real, our real uh, warfare is not with people, with bodies. Our real warfare is the spirit that's operating behind the, those people. Okay? It's important to understand that. Well, um, when the enemy's pushed your buttons for all the years and you've always we've always responded the same way, and somebody rails us, we rail them. Somebody talks ugly about us, we do ugly to them, Right? So now, all of a sudden, you're acting and responding differently than what you used to. The devil's like, I don't get it. They've always acted this way. They've always responded this way. Now they're acting nice when somebody's ugly towards them. Okay? And Jesus said, that's how you stay in the blessing. You stay in the blessing. It's not easy. It's not fun. But it works. Okay? Have you ever tried praying for someone that's done you wrong without being mad at them? Without saying, Lord, get them. <laughs> Vengeance is not yours, Lord, it's mine. <laughs> no. But you know, I tell you what, folks, if you want to grow spiritually, I'm telling you, if you want to grow and break some new territory and break some new ground, start praying for people that have done you wrong. Amen. Start forgiving them. Okay? Well, if I forgive them, they're just kind of come back and do it again. That's not your job to figure that one out, okay? Your job is not to control them. You cannot control, listen, you cannot control a person, another person other than yourself. That just lifts a load off when you realize, I can't change that person, but I can pray for them. I can bless them. And you'd be surprised what will happen when you do that. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Amen? There might be a thousand and one reasons to get down in the, in the nasty dirt, so to speak, you know, and get, get on that level with people. But I'll tell you, I had somebody years and years ago come to me in, in, a, in a fit of rage, okay? And uh, they were a relative, actually, okay? And uh, it's not important who it was, but they, I mean, I'm telling you, it almost turned into a fist fight. <laughs> they were so mad, you know? But this person had a, had a, a track record of a short fuse, getting really mad at people really quick, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and uh, long story short, the Lord was dealing with my heart about it. He said, Keith, it's just as important 
to not how you act, but how you react. Okay? And I got a phone call from this person a little bit later, you know, and they, they called me up, you know, and, and the Holy Spirit had prepared me already. Okay? And when they, they called me up and they talked to me on the telephone, I was, I just, I don't know, it had to be the Holy Spirit because I just got really sweet with him. Okay? Because when they were on the phone, they were really ugly, they were really mean-spirited, and they just wanted to tear and rip into me. You know what I'm saying? But I, I'm not going to get on that level. And I just said, you know, I said, I, first of all, first and foremost, if I did anything to hurt you, it certainly wasn't my intention. And I certainly, in my heart, I didn't do anything wrong to this person. But they, uh, you know, they felt that somehow that I did something to them. You know what I mean? It's amazing how sometimes people that think you're their worst enemy, you could, you're actually your, their best friend. Sometimes we think the person that's our worst enemy is actually our best friend. You know? I said, you know, I said, if I did something, please forgive me. I said, uh, I'm human, I can miss it, but uh, I go, uh, man, I totally understand where you're coming from, and man, that, don't worry about it, it's okay, you know, and, and, uh, and it just, I'll tell you, it just nipped that, because here's the thing, when there's a fire, you can throw two things of liquid on a fire. You can throw gasoline on a fire, or you can throw water on a fire. One will make it worse, the other one will extinguish it. Okay? And so the Bible says we're washed with the water of the word. And you can throw water of the word on situations and bring down those situations. Most of the time when people react in that manner, it's because they're afraid of something in their own life. Anger, for the most part, is a manifestation of fear. Fear. Why does, why does someone get ticked off? Someone in traffic, you don't even know them. And something small happens, someone makes a mistake, you know, and it happens all the time. We call it road rage, you know what I'm saying? And all of a sudden someone be, becomes like partially demon-possessed for a second, you know, and they want to do something, you know. And uh, my goodness, I, uh, I took a prayer job years ago, about 10 years ago, something like that. That's a little inside joke. Last week, she's, my daughter says, Why, Dad, everything you said was 10 years ago. Said, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> what if I moved to 20? Okay. See, when you've been around a little bit, you know, everything's like, you know. So I took a, I took a prayer drive. I like to do that sometimes. I'll just get in my car and I'll just, and I like to get, get with God and fellowship and speak and talk with Him and communicate with Him. And I remember exactly where I was. I was up in Zillianople. Okay, anybody know there's an airport up there? You all know that is that airport. I was driving down that road. Is that five? What's that called? Five something? I don't know. There's the highway that's up there. And I mean, I am out on. I am out in the country. I am just praying. I didn't. I didn't. Do, I didn't know where I was going. I was just driving out in the country, and I'm praying. And I'm coming back. Okay, and I just had a marvelous time with the Lord. And I'm on this. It's like to me, it's a country road. All right. And all of a sudden, this pickup truck comes up behind me and almost like, literally like almost touching my tailgate on my, on my vehicle. I had an SUV at that time. And I thought, 
is that what I think it is? I mean, he looked, I looked in my rear view mirror, and I mean, he was right there. I mean, almost touching my, he was, and I was going over the speed limit even, okay? And he is just fuming. And he, I could tell he was cursing me, you know what I mean, without saying what it was. He was just freaking out. So I speeded the car up a little bit more, and he got even more furious. And I'm thinking, what did I do to deserve this? I'm thinking, how did this even happen here? You know what I'm saying? And I mean, we're not talking a little bit of anger. He was literally freaking out, screaming, yelling, cursing, nasty type things. And, uh, and I could feel inside me. Here I am, pastor, born again, spirit-filled, walking with God. And I had just prayed for maybe three hours, okay? I'm spending time with God, praying in the spirit, spending time with God. And out of the clear blue comes this demon-possessed person. <laughs> he was, to me, he was like demon-possessed. He was so full of rage and anger. Now, I can understand if I would have cut him off or something, but that wasn't the case. He came from somewhere else and somehow got behind me, and there's no way that I caused that, you know what I'm saying? Because I would have known there was something that I did to tick him off, okay? So I'm feeling the juice, man. I'm telling you, I'm just my... I'm, I'm thinking... I'm thinking, dude, you know, I'm thinking we're going to get in a, I'm thinking, I picture myself coming out of the car and going up to that kid and just ripping into him, man, I'm telling you, you know what I'm saying, I mean, you know, your, your body has a voice, okay, well, here's something happened, so, so this is going on, this went on for, I don't know, he's probably behind me for about a good minute and a half, something like that or more, it seemed like an eternity when it's, you're going through it. And I heard the Holy Spirit inside me when that was going on. My body was shaking. I could literally feel it. I was shaking because it was so, it was just so out of the blue, you know. Have you ever had something like that happen? And uh, a fit of rage. And so while that's going on, there's this inward voice inside me that said, bind the powers of darkness and forgive them right now. That's what he told me. He says, bind the devil on the inside of him. And he says, and release forgiveness towards him. In other words, bless him. Okay? Now, I have to say, when the Lord spoke that to me, I didn't want to hear it. In fact, I blew the Lord off. Do you ever blow the Lord off? It's easy for you to say, you're not hearing this car, you know. I'm thinking that, you know. I mean, this is a real world we're living in, right? Okay, sometimes we get the impression that we live on flowery beds of ease and we, we go from cloud to cloud and nothing ever happens. We kind of float around, especially as a pastor. you got to be kidding me. The enemy tries to throw everything he can at us sometimes to get us, oh, <laughs> you know. And, um, and so I didn't respond right away. And it's just getting worse by the minute, okay? Now, here's the thing. I knew... When that was going on, I knew where I was. I was coming into town there in Zillianople. There's a stop sign. There's a stoplight in there, and it backs up. There's some traffic there, and so forth. You know, and I thought, what is going to happen when we get up there? And then I have to stop, and he's right behind me. You see, I'm thinking, this could get pretty ugly real quick. All right, and so after a few seconds or so, whatever, I just decided. I said. 
I just reached down inside me, you know, because my emotions were, I could feel it. You could feel the hate and the anger in his, that, that human being. You could feel it. And, uh, and I said, Satan, I'm looking in the rearview mirror. I said, I take authority over you and that young man in the name of Jesus. I break your power over him right now. You stop in your maneuvers. You stop in your tracks in Jesus' name. And Lord, I forgive him. I release the blessing on him in the name of Jesus. Okay? So I did that. Within a few seconds, I came to the city limits right there, and it was backed up. Jess had taken authority over that. And I am convinced the Lord sidetracked him. And so we came to the town, and as soon as we came to the town, he just went, whoa, he turned right, and he went down a side street, and just, I never saw him again. Okay? He just took, I don't know what happened, I don't know what God did to, to, to divert that whole thing, but, whew, man, the smoke was still coming up, you know what I mean? I was just like, oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. See, the spirit realm is real. Okay? And the enemy tries to press our buttons to try to get us to respond to that, okay, in the natural. But we, we are supernatural beings. Folks, you know you're supernatural. It's not just Jesus, but he lives on the inside of you. And you and I are supernatural beings, and we have the ability to handle problems supernaturally with the power of God. Do you know love is a weapon, it's not just like this gushy pillow type thing, you know. When you, when you, I forgave that man. I, no, I never met him in my life. But you know what? You don't have to know a person to have unforgiveness towards them. I know people, I knew people that have, this is years ago, they had bitterness towards the president. I mean just bitterness, okay? Uh, they actually hated the president, okay? And uh, this was a believer, and I thought, you know, you know, you don't realize you're sown bad seed. You know, you hate, I don't hate anybody, okay? Now, I don't hate any president, okay? Now, I may disagree with their policies here and there, depending on who's in there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Thank God we have someone in office right now that respects the Bible and respects the things of God. Amen? Okay? I'm not trying to be political, but, you know, we have to look at politicians see, do they honor and do they respect the Bible? Do they respect the Word of God? Forget about tweets and forget about their personality. Lay that aside. What's their platform? What do they stand for? Do you think I'm going to support? It'll never happen in a billion years. I will never support someone that supports abortion. I will never, ever cast a vote for someone that kills babies. It'll never happen. Hell will freeze over before that ever happens. Amen? Amen? So we may not always agree for every little dot and so forth, every T crossed, every I dotted, that kind of a thing. But listen, our job is to pray. If we don't like what's going on in, in Washington, our job is to pray. Amen. Not get in bitterness, but to pray for them. Have you ever seen more hatred than you have now? Stop and think about that. I'm not trying to be political, but I'm saying that is supernatural in the wrong way. Supernatural hatred. And we don't want to jump on that bandwagon, okay? Haters are going to hell, okay? Mark my words, haters go to hell. 
Hey Amen. Let's go home now. Okay. Now I felt the brakes when I said that. Like, Err. Pastor, you stepped on some territory here. Listen, we have no, as believers, we're not to hate. We are to love and to pray. And if somebody's doing something that's not right, our job is not to bellyache and complain about them. Now, I've been just as guilty as anybody else, okay? That if, if I love someone uh, and they're not doing right, my job is to pray for them, okay? I had no intention on even talking about this this morning, but that's okay. The Holy Spirit's on this. We'll just go with it, amen? But if you really want to you really grow spiritually, then start forgiving people quickly and start praying for them and watch what happens to you. <laughs> you talk about blessings being unleashed quickly on you, things coming to you, your prayers being answered, finances coming, flowing, coming to you, things starting to happen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Because when you're walking with God and you're walking, God is love. And you walk in God, you're walking in love the devil can't touch you. The Bible says when you walk in love, the wicked one touches you not. Okay? What time is it here? Goodness, we're almost out of time. Let's go to, real quickly here, I know we're not going to get through this today, but I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 51. I'll just sort of introduce this today, and then, then we're going to go here. We'll pick it up here next week. But the first type of faith was sense, knowledge, faith. I won't believe it till I feel it, see it, touch it, smell it, taste it, that kind of a thing. But the, the second type of faith is called revelation faith. And this is the type of faith that Abraham had that just took God's word at face value. God told him something. He conferred not with flesh and blood. And he considered not his own body, now dead when he was about 100 years old. God said, you're going to have a child. Your wife's going to have a child at 100 years old. And the Bible says he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Now, if you asked Abraham, are you at the right age to have children? His body would have said, no, that was long past. And also his wife. As a matter of fact, when Sarah was young, she was barren. She couldn't have children when she was young, let alone old. But God shows up in an impossible situation and says, you're going to have a child. In fact... You'll find that not only did they, she conceive, had faith to conceive and bear a child, God reversed their aging process to the point that Abraham was concerned that other men were going to be hitting on his wife. So he called him his sister. <laughs> Think about that. Now, how many, I'm just saying, I mean, I'm just saying, how many hundred year old women do you know that people are chasing her? Look at that hoodie over there. You know what I'm saying? I'm, you, you just don't see it. But here's the thing. There's something to this that we haven't tapped into yet that I believe we're going to. The Bible says that he renews our youth like the eagles. There's something to that. God can reverse the aging process even in you and me where let's just say I'm 59 right now, you know, in the natural, I'm 59, all right? Well, God can keep me and even reverse it so I look like I'm maybe 40, okay? 
Y'all believe with me for that? Okay. And like, and vice versa with my wife and I. But see, if you don't know to believe God for that, then you can't believe. If you don't even know about it, you can't put your faith out for that. Okay? Now, I believe in divine health. I believe in divine healing. God has divine health for us. But also, He can. the Bible says in Psalm 103, He renews our youth just like the eagles. Thank you, Lord. Now, this is an interesting scripture here. Isaiah 51. Let's look at verse 1. And the Lord said specifically, Hearken unto me, ye that follow after righteousness, that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock from whence you are hewn, and the hole of the pit whence you are digged. Okay? And he goes on to say here in verse 2, Look unto Abraham your father, and unto Sarah that bore you. For I called him alone, blessed him, and increased him. Doesn't the Bible say we're the seed of Abraham? If you be Christ, then you're Abraham's seed in Galatians 3.29. If you be Christ, you're Abraham's seed. You're an heir according to the promise. Now, because I belong to Jesus, I become Abraham's seed. Now, I've been meditating on this month after month after month after month after month, and I'll continue to do this because there is something to this thing about Abraham's blessing. But he says, in verse 2, he says, Look unto Abraham your father, and unto Sarah that bear you, for I called them alone, and I blessed them. And notice this, I increased him. Now look at verse 3, it says, For the Lord shall comfort Zion. Now that's the church. The Lord shall comfort Zion, you and I, he will comfort all her waste places, and He will make her wilderness like Eden, and the desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found therein, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. <laughs> Say, I'm Abraham's seed. Do you know, this is something interesting. Do you know when you leave this earth, if you were to leave this earth right now, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The first person that you will meet when you get to heaven is not Granny, not Uncle Fred. Okay? The first person that you will meet is Abraham. I know people... Jesse Duplantis has gone there. Other people have gone there. And the very first person that they meet is a guy named Abraham because he's the father of our faith. If you go back upstream where all this faith stuff started, didn't start with Hagen, didn't start with Copeland, didn't start with T.L. Osborne. It started with Abraham was the father of our faith. And out of, he, out of Abraham, all the nations would be blessed. Glory to God. Amen? Real quickly, go to Genesis 15.1. First book of the Bible, Genesis 15, verse 1. When the Lord appeared to Abram, this is before he changed his name. Do you know he went from Abram to Abraham? God changed his name, which meant God put his initial there in his name. He said, Abraham, and here's the interpretation, father of many nations. This is before they had any toddlers. You understand there's before any kids have come along. 
and they're well stricken in years. And it says, in verse 1, it says, After these things the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not. That's all. He always comes with a fear not, right? Fear not, Abram, for I am thy shield and exceeding great reward. Now, I did some research on this in the Hebrew, I'm telling you. I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I got books that are. <laughs> right? I got a Strong's Concordance. Anybody have a Strong's Concordance? All right? And it shows there's a number over each word in the New Testament. It's Greek, the Old Testament, it's Hebrew, right? And it gives you the definition of the word that you just read. So I looked that up. And it's the number 7936 in the Hebrew of, of God said, he says, fear not, for I am your shield and your great reward. I looked up the word, the word reward in the Hebrew, and it's from the number 7936. And it means this, salary, fair, compensation, benefit, price, reward, wages, and worth. God says, I am not only your protector, I am your provider. I am your wealth. Hallelujah. And if you be Christ, you're Abraham's seed and an heir according to the promise. Now next, next Sunday, what I want to do is I want to break this apart because we just ran out of time. That's the only downside when we come together. We just run out of time. <laughs> we ran out of time, but we never run out of message because it's always... I'm telling you, I could stand here and teach till 6 o'clock tonight and not exhaust this thing. I mean, it just burns on the inside of me. I am, if you're Christ, if you belong to Christ, you're Abraham's seed. And you're an heir according to the promise. So what's, what is it about, what is it about Abraham that, that really pleased the Lord? He believed God apart from his five physical senses. Thomas didn't. He said, unless I can see it, feel, taste, touch, so forth, I won't believe it. But God came to Abraham, and he says, here's what's going to happen. Your wife Sarah is going to bear a child. You're going to be able to have a son in your old age. Praise the Lord. Did it happen? Did it happen? Yes, it did. But God changed their names first. He said, Abram, you're now called Abraham. And Sarai is now Sarah, which meant princess, mother of all nations. And in you shall all the nations be blessed. Glory to God. What's the difference between Thomas? Thomas said, nope, I, I can't see it until, until I can see it and feel, taste, and touch it. I won't believe it. But Abraham said over here on this end, he said, Lord, you said it. That's as good as done as far as I'm concerned. Okay? And that's, see, that's the kind of faith that not only pleases God, but it, it, like a magnet attracts metal. When I was a kid in sixth grade, I remember we in science class, we had this different experiments that would take place, you know. And uh, my science teacher, I actually got a paddle from him one time, but <laughs> that was when they could paddle you in school. I got paddled. Yeah, they pulled me in the, in the lounge chair room and they gave me and some other kid a licking man. <laughs> I don't know what we were doing. I can't even remember, you know. But I remember one of the experiments that they had was this magnet. And he would bring this magnet over and over top of this table. And there's all these uh, iron filings on the table. 
like thousands of them, little ones, you know. And all of a sudden, he would, he would flip a switch and turn on the, the uh, magnet. It's one of those big, felt like it was 25 pounds, big, huge magnet, you know. And it was above the table, oh, I don't know, maybe about this much, you know. And he says, I want you to see what happens. And he's talking about the magnetic fields and what it does, you know. And so he turned this switch on, and it was high enough. All this stuff on the table that we were surrounded by, us and the students, they started dancing. All the little metal filings just started moving, moving, started shaking and moving, okay? And he says, now watch and see what happens. He lowered the boom. He lowered the magnet just a little bit more. And when he did, in a flash, in a split second, every one of those metal filings went... And they, they jumped off the table, and they were raptured. Amen. That's what will happen at the rapture. There's a, there's a pool. We just got to go up <laughs> when we go up. Amen? And, um, well, you see, something in there was attracting those metal filings, right? And your faith in God is like that. It will attract the blessings of God to your house and they will stick to you. They will come to you Amen. In, in, a, in a way that you've never known before. So why is this faith stuff so important? Because it, God wants to get all the stuff to us. He wants to bring it to us. Like Brother uh, uh, was sharing this morning with the offering, Dennis. The house of the righteous shall flourish and be blessed, Right? And, that, and when we walk in faith, it's not just a duty. It's just like we're pleasing God, and He can bring stuff to us that couldn't come any otherwise and just be overtaken by certain sudden things that come, breakthroughs in our marriage, breakthroughs in our finances, breakthroughs in our children, breakthroughs. Faith in God will do that. Faith will heal your body. When was the last time you ever heard someone, I, I worried myself into good health? When was the last time one said, I, you know, I worried myself sick over this thing, and all of a sudden I had a lot of money in my bank account? <laughs> it doesn't happen. Okay? The thing you greatly feared, Job said, Job 3.29, the thing I greatly feared has come to me like a magnet. Well, if you turn that around, say, the thing that I greatly faith will come to me. What you faith the most will stick to you like Velcro. It'll come to you. Amen? Amen. 